Welcome to First Things First. Oh, are we headed for yet another LeBron and Cleveland reunion? I hope so. Also on the show, we're breaking down Nick Wright's podcast. Old media meets new media. Who was the better big man, the dream or Shaq? And then finally, we're back to new media. It's Nick Wright versus Draymond. Draymond's biggest opponent, tougher than the Celtics. It's Nick Wright's old takes on Andrew Wiggins. Hi, everybody. Jenna's out today. I'm Kevin Wilde. Nicholas. That's Chris Broussard. That's Nick Wright. Nick. Nicholas. What do you think about Draymond's new pod? Uh, Was it a new one? Because it was the same material from the one two weeks ago. So I didn't know if he just is hitting reruns already. Uh, I'm not sure. It's not the same take on repeat. New media for another. uh, I mean, come on, buddy. (laughs) We're going to start with KD and the Nets. Logan Murdoch believes KD's frustrated that the Nets front office didn't get to know and understand Kyrie like all the rest of us do. Also thinks KD hasn't talked to the team in weeks and isn't recruiting free agents to Brooklyn. Nick, how much blame are you putting on the Nets? The Nets front office did this to themselves. And I understand that Kyrie Irving is an easy punching bag. And in a a large part, obviously, he has been the biggest individual problem. But the Nets empowered him. The Nets gave him the ability to burn the franchise down. And they empowered him from the very beginning. So right when Katie and Kyrie went there, they said, you got to bring DeAndre Jordan too. And in fact, we might take a touch less money to make it happen. Okay. So four years, 40 million for DeAndre Jordan. That, that's one thing, but it's another thing entirely to then demand DeAndre Jordan be played, start. And when Kenny Atkinson didn't want to do that, the Nets front office fired Kenny Atkinson. Katie and Kyrie maybe wanted him to, but the Nets front office empowered them. The Nets front office then hired Steve Nash. Because KD and Kyrie wanted that. The Nets front office then traded all their depth and all their picks for James Harden because KD and Kyrie wanted them to do that. And that was additionally risky because once you trade your depth and more importantly your picks, now you are really beholden to the whims of KD and Kyrie because if they were to leave, you're totally screwed. And then last year, Brew, the Nets had the best record in the East. Until when? Durant went down, yes, but also when they said, you know what, Kyrie, ah, part-time player's fine with us. And from what I've been told, that didn't sit well with Harden, and that's one of the reasons Harden quit on the team. So a lot of this is the Nets front office continuing to make Kyrie Irving feel like he is a part of ownership, which is why at the end of the season he said he was going to sit down with fellow owner Joe Sy and plot out the future. So they, they, they could have seen what he did in Cleveland, could have seen what he did in Boston. They saw all that and still empowered him, so they deserve a ton of the blame. That's fair, Nick, because obviously the Nets have not handled themselves well. They've run themselves like an AAU team. I've said that before, right? They let their two best players create the culture, which is really no culture. It's a mess, and that is why they are having such problems. But look... It started that way, Nick. 
when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decided to go there, did the Nets even know? I mean, it had nothing to do with Sean Marks or Joe Sy or Kenny Atkinson. They were just, they just picked it. We're going to you. You got the cap room. Congratulations. I mean, it was that way from the get go. And you're right. The Nets have empowered both KD and Kyrie, but let's, let's cut to the chase though. If there's one person who is most responsible for this super team, perhaps disbanding, it's got to be Kyrie Irving. There's no doubt about it. And I think you agree with that. The three week leave of absence his first what two years ago in January takes two weeks off a lot of it had to do if not all of it had to do with January 6th with the insurrection uh obviously a lot of Americans were upset and disturbed by that but you still got to go to work including a lot of players then uh, two months later he took another week off for family matter and look I don't want to belittle family matters okay but We all deal with family matters. All the other players in the league deal with family matters. You got players going through divorce, going through lawsuits, going through all types of stuff, and you show up to work. So that is on Kyrie. And then I won't even put the injuries on him. You get injured. That's not his fault. But the vaccination, look, you he put, it's his personal decision, but it was putting your own feelings ahead of the team. Andrew Wiggins didn't want to get vaccinated either. He put the team ahead of his own personal feelings and look how it worked out. And the vaccination is the reason or his lack of vaccination was the reason they were the seventh seed, right? Because they, and they face had to face Boston in the first round. And then that also, I, I looked at Harden. If you looked at Harden, Nick, when Kyrie first came back, Harden was a kid in a candy store. He was excited as all get out. Remember the press conference? He said, I'll give it to him myself. He clearly thought that Kyrie was going to get vaccinated and because he'd come back. And once he, it was clear that Kyrie wasn't going to, that's when Harden seemed to sour on the situation and quit on the team and then get his way out of there. So at the end of the day, Nick, I agree with you on the Nets deserving some blame, but the lion's share of it, including right now, Kyrie's inability to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I haven't been available. I get it. Now, I understand the the ego of a star player being difficult to look in the mirror, but you got to do it as a man. We all make mistakes and you you should be able to understand they'll only commit three years or whatever it is. Okay, I haven't been available I'm I'm cool with that. I'm going to go ahead and play. His inability to do that is what has the Durant thinking about leaving. So all of this stems from Kyrie Irving, period. I understand it stems from them. But the the reason, Wilds, these guys are general managers, team president, team owner, is because they have to be able to make difficult decisions and they have to understand how their stars work. And what they are attempting to do is give Kyrie Irving carte blanche over everything. They treat him as if he is co-owner to where at the end of the season he, well, hold on. And then what, and where at the end of the season, he can say, I'm going to sit down with Sean and Joe and we're going to plot the path forward. And then, um, then veer the car 
hard left and be shocked that it's not sitting well with Kyrie. That's bad management. That is flatly bad management to enable someone the, this whole way and then draw a line that might so they should the just, whole So team. now they shouldn't? Should they not draw the line well, they now? Shouldn't. Now you just continue on? What I what, what you, you can't just keep have going down the wrong is, road. What 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 I'm is telling you is this: they should keep going what down you the wrong cannot road. Cannot have happen is allow Kyrie Irving to potentially walk for nothing and lose Kevin Durant. And any decision that You're you not make lose. that opens up that possibility is brew. It's it, it, it's it's all happening. Kyrie they could, could be lost for nothing. Kevin. That's fine. Boston lost him for nothing. How'd that work out? All right, I'm not worried about Kyrie. I'm worried about Kevin Durant. And if Kevin Durant does indeed request a trade, guess what? The Nets control it. The Nets can trade him for good play. I get it. You're no longer the super team. You're no longer a contender. All right? But you you at least get something back. And you if you do it right, you can end up strengthening your team or at least making – Making the well, best out of no, a bad situation. You don't continue right, right, down the same. You don't give Kyrie five years full max. That's what you're saying. Okay. No, what what I am saying, Are you not saying, what I'm that? saying is No, Brew, I I'll, I'll try to be very clear. What I am saying is I do not think they should have enabled him from the very beginning. They set themselves Agre- on this path with every decision that they've made. Now they are all of a sudden trying to be hardline stern negotiators in a situation where it has opened the door to losing Kevin Durant. And it, it would I so rather what should they do? give Kyrie Irving what he I if if you if if Kevin Durant might leave, then yeah, I'd give Kyrie Irving the money. Yes, I would. Absolutely. I I cannot okay. run the risk of of losing Durant. You can trade him. Losing Kyrie for nothing and not having my picks. You're totally screwed. Just at, I don't care what you get back from Durant. It's not Durant. You're not getting Giannis back for Durant. You're not getting Luka back for Durant. And you don't have your picks. So they have put themselves in this spot. What Wilds, that's management. Coming up next, who is the better big man? Shaq or the dream? We discuss. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rollins, Bliss, McIntyre, Seamus, Asuka, Cavalcade of Superstars descend on SmackDown to stake their claim to the Money in the Bank contract. Who will rise to the top? It's an all-new edition of Friday Night SmackDown, live at 8 Eastern, 7 Central on Fox. Nick has ranked the top 50 players of the last 50 years on his excellent podcast, Great Project. The newest reveals, Shaq at 9, Dream at 8, Broussard. Do you agree that the dream should be ahead of Shaq? No. Uh, with all due respect to the great Hakeem Olajuwon, he should not be ahead of Shaquille O'Neal. A-, a lot of people will point to the 95 finals when Hakeem definitely outplayed Shaq and they swept the Orlando Magic. Um, but Shaq was a baby. It was his third year in the league. Uh, nobody holds the fact that Tim Duncan outplayed LeBron, even though they didn't go head-to-head in 2007. LeBron was a, a baby in the league as well at that point. And even if you look at that series, now obviously Houston swept them, but Shaq averaged more rebounds, more assists, more blocks, shot 60% from the field compared to Hakeem's 48%. And Hakeem just outscored him by five points, 33 a game to 28 a game for Shaq. So... Uh, it wasn't like Shaq just got outclassed and embarrassed in that finals. Overall, Nick, Shaq also, I mean, Shaq is the architect or the leader, the bus driver, as Barkley might call him, of the, he's the only player to lead a three-peat other than Michael Jordan since Bill Russell's Celtics in the 60s. That has to speak for something. Yeah. You yourself have said that that three-year finals run was arguably the best three-year finals run in the history of the game. He was absolutely yeah, dominant. dominant as anyone ever. And then I would counter yeah. with, I would counter with the Kings first ring came when, let's just face it, the best player in the world was playing minor league baseball. I would even argue that for the second ring, but you wouldn't. So I don't, we don't even have to go there, but certainly the first ring, Michael Jordan was playing baseball. I do think Jordan's Bulls would have beaten Elijah Jordan never had trouble with bigs. He beat Ewing. He beat Shaq. He beat Alonzo Mourning consistently. So I, I think that has to weigh into the argument as well. I'll give you Akeem, better defender and shot blocker, better rebounder than Shaq. But Shaq was obviously the much better score, scored a lot more than Akeem did. And Nick, I, I just think sometimes it, part of it comes down to Shaq's size. He was so big so, that it, it he impacted the way defenses had to guard him and his teams more so than Olajuwon did, strictly yeah. because he was so big and powerful. I I don't know that I agree with you that Shaq was the far better scorer. The regular season, Shaq averages two more points per game, but the playoffs, Akeem averages two more points per game. The, <clears throat> the thing with Akeem is... Akeem is the greatest defensive player since Bill Russell. The only guy close is Tim Duncan. And Shaq was a 
at times very good and at times average defender, and their offensive numbers are almost identical. Shaq's eighth all-time in points, Akeem's twelfth all-time in points. Now, I understand career totals are not everything, but it just gives you some context that it's not like uh, Akeem during his 10-year playoff prime for a decade in the postseason. What was he? Oh, he was 28, 11, 3, 2, and 3 over a decade in the postseason. I think you are understating a bit how badly Akeem did outplay Shaq in those finals. You're right. Shaq was young, but Shaq, much like Akeem, was a fourth-place MVP finisher in year two. These guys were instantly dominant in the league. Akeem in year two took a team to the finals. Some people argue it's the greatest team ever. The 86 Celtics took them six games. And in those finals, Akeem was 33-12-6-2-2. Yes, with Ralph Sampson. And Shaq won his titles with Kobe Bryant. And then Dwayne Wade. It is hard to win championships if you don't have great players alongside you. And I also think it does matter. I understand some folks believe Jordan's Bulls would have beaten the Rockets. I disagree. I, the Rockets had great success against them in the regular season when Jordan was active. And I don't think they had any answer for Akeem Olajuwon whatsoever. And Jordan's Bulls lost to Shaq's Magic that Akeem swept. But set that aside. During those two years, who were the guys in the league that didn't have rings? Clyde, Barkley, Shaq, Robinson, Stockton, Malone. Akeem beat all of those guys. Beat Barkley twice en route to rings. Beat Stockton Malone twice en route to rings. Beat Clyde, and then Clyde joined him. Beat Robinson. Robinson got his ring later. Beat Ewing. Beat Shaq. Those are his eight playoff series. So he denied all of those guys rings, not just by winning the titles, but by beating them in the postseason. And I think if Shaq, I think if their offense is anywhere close, and their offense was incredibly close, Shaq was more efficient, but they scored at the same volume and they rebounded the same. Akeem's defense has to put it over the top, bro. Akeem is the greatest defensive player of the last 50 years, hands down. I'm surprised that you don't think that puts it over the top. No. Uh, Akeem made what? Led teams to three finals? Three finals? Shaq was in six finals? Um, Shaq averaged. This is why I said he was a a better scorer. He shot 58% from the field for his career. Akeem shot 51%, which is good, but still, difference. And Shaq had 10 straight years of averaging 26 or more points. Shaq led the league in scoring twice. Akeem never led the league in scoring and only averaged more than 26 four times. So I, I think those factors, the fact that Shaq led more teams to the finals or played in more finals, and even when Akeem had a super team with Barkley, who was 23 and 11 the year before he went to the Rockets and was 19 and 15 in his first year with the Rockets. And Drexler and Hakeem were still great players when those three teamed up and they didn't get it done. They lost in the conference finals that year to Utah. Then they kept losing when Barkley was there and then Pippen replaced Drexler. So he didn't capitalize on that super team either. And whereas Shaq, you know, they at least got to the finals when he brought on an older Peyton and Malone. Yeah, they who lost were older in five. Then Barkley I mean, they, and Drexler. But, but they still at least got I mean, to I would the argue. finals. And, and I would say they were, no. they were at a later stage of their career, Peyton and Malone, 
than Barkley and Drexler were. Yeah, uh, agreed. But he also had nothing close to a young, early 20s prime Kobe Bryant, which Shaq had in that 04 team, and they lost. Now, Kobe was not good in those finals. But I, I listen, I want to make this part clear. Because, again, th- th- we are in the absolute... I, I have Shaq ninth of the last 50 years, and I have Keem eighth. This is not a knock at Shaq. Bruce said it, and I want to restate it. I think apex prime Shaquille O'Neal. If you are saying you can have any player in NBA history for a series at their peak, I would take Shaq over LeBron. I would take Shaq over Jordan. I would take Shaq over Kareem. Prime peak Shaquille O'Neal is the most unstoppable player in basketball history. Those three finals that I meant that you mentioned, his numbers were across them 36 points, 15 rebounds, four assists, three blocks on 60% shooting across three consecutive finals and three straight finals MVPs. The problem for Shaq is he did not stay at that apex nearly long enough. I, I, again, he's long enough to be one of the guys in the top 10, but not long enough. Akeem's peak was essentially his second year in the league until a decade later when they won the second title. That 10-year run, he is unbelievable. He's 28 a game in the postseason. He didn't have a single bad postseason series. He was dominant for 10 years. And the reason the Rockets didn't win more early on was once Sampson got hurt, it was a terrible team. Akeem lost a playoff series one year where he averaged 37-17 with five blocks a game. Lost in four in round one because the team around him was so bad. Akeem's peak was longer than Shaq's, and he's the greatest defensive player ever. Or of the last 50 years. I would, no, his peak wasn't longer than Shaq's. Shaq's peak began his first year in the league as well. I mean, so so you kind of tried to say Akeem had this decade-long peak, uh, but Shaq only Mm -hmm. had a three-year peak? No, Shaq had, Shaq, in fact, statistically, his first and second years were some of his best years of his career. If you want to say they weren't peak uh, 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 Shaq years because they didn't win a finals, then I could say the same thing about Olajuwon, but for those two years when he did win the finals, one of which Michael Jordan wasn't even playing. So I, that that I, that's disingenuous to say Akeem had a 10-year dis- peak and a Shaq had a three-year no. peak? Really? Shaq, no, Shaq's the, peak I, was his whole career up until he got older. Okay, so I, yeah, I disagree with that. I think Shaq was excellent, was one of the five best players in the league by year two. I think Shaq's true peak, which is higher than Akeem's, was those, those three year, that three year championship run in LA. That is where he elevated to a level. Not only had he never been before, but very few players had ever been before. And I would argue nobody had been before. And so that's, yeah, I think his peak was shorter, but higher. LeBron James, is he headed back to Cleveland? Strong maybe from Brian Windhorst. We discuss next. (laughs) Oh, here's a story. Brian Windhorst has been doing the journalism version of, are you picking up what I'm putting down? First saying, keep an eye on LeBron not signing his extension. And then watch to see if the Cavs start clearing space by not retaining Sexton or extending Levert. Well, we might see LeBron to Cleveland part three. Broussard, 
Should LeBron make his way back to Cleveland? I say no. Uh, now, look, I wouldn't crush LeBron if he decided to go back to Cleveland. After all, it is his hometown. He does keep his home there that he built. So he might just want to kind of get back to the area. Um, but I say no for a few reasons. One, it won't be the same. It really won't. Um, the team will be very good because they got a lot of nice young players. But I'm telling you, when I went to when LeBron went back the second time, even though they won a championship, it wasn't the same. All right. Like like being in that arena, it was like the innocence was lost. Right. It was like the hometown kid came back. Yeah. And he gave us a championship. But there was a feeling in that arena that we understand now is business. His first stint there, it was like all love, the hometown hero. He's going to lead us to the championship. He's going to make us a dynasty. That was gone when he went back the second time. It still was great and they won a ring. But if he goes back a third time, it'll be even less intensity. And I think erroneously, some fans in Cleveland will also be like, we, we kind of want to see these young kids develop. We don't want it to become no way. all LeBron all the time, all about him anymore. I think some people would feel that way. I disagree. I, I agree with you, Wilds. It's about winning championships, so I would want LeBron back. But I do think some people would be like, ah, let's let the young kids develop. Secondly is this, Nick. Anthony Davis is 29 years old. You got, you're playing with Anthony Davis, and I know this year they don't have much flexibility. But ne after next season... Anthony Davis is the only money left on the books. Taylor Horton Tucker is, has a player option for 11 million. Outside of that, they got cap room galore. It might make sense for LeBron just to wait, see what they can add, you know, with players, but they're going to have room after next season to add better players to he and Anthony Davis while. So that's why I think he should stay in LA and uh, not go back to Cleveland. Okay, so first of all, I have to address that Nick throwing up the W. Not only is that because he thinks he has a winning take. <laughs> that is the sign to the producer. They're like, hey, have Wilds go. So it's nice. I like the double W rather than the old, like, West Side. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, I would, I would love LeBron to go back. Uh, I actually thought this was a little bit of a, a nice fairy tale. And at the same time, Nick, a little bit of an uh, indicator on how LeBron feels about the Lakers. The beautiful fairy tale, of course, is out of all LeBron's championships, I feel like that one means the most. It, it's the most kind of joyous one. Of it's course. the one that he claims Agreed. made him the best player of all time. So I would love the fairy tale of, of him going back there. I like the core, and it feels like Kevin Love is never leaving Cleveland, so I would like that reunion too. Hey, happy getting married too, uh, Kevin Love. And But the other part of it, the, the sort of darker part of the fairy tale is this. I viewed this as a sign that, huh, maybe LeBron... For all the great things about L.A. and it's great weather and it seems like he has a nice, albeit small basketball court that he's uh, shooting out there with Bronny on. Maybe this, <laughs> the relationship with the Lakers is a little bit more fractured than we thought. That if he doesn't sign this extension, maybe it's like, you know what? I came. I delivered you your championship. I'm ready to go home. I think it would be absolutely wonderful. I'm rooting for it to happen. Well, listen, here's what I'm confident in. I'm confident that whatever contractual decision LeBron makes after this coming season is going to be a short-term commitment. That LeBron's next deal is going to be a one-plus-one type of deal because 
he wants the freedom and flexibility to be able to go if Bronny is a one and done to wherever Bronny goes. And so that would mean he would need to be a free agent. Not only is he planned to be a free agent a year from now, but also two years from now. So I don't think it would be long term. And the question then becomes, could you win a title if he went back to Cleveland? And listen, I really like Evan Mobley. I think everybody really likes Evan Mobley. And I really like Darius Garland. The rest of the guys, Jared Allen's fine. Jared Allen's better than fine. He's good. Levert, I don't care too much about marketing and whatever. And Sexton, they can let, if they want to let Sexton walk, that's fine. But if Mobley is ready to be the second best player on a championship team in three years or in two years, and then Garland could be your third best player, the question is, will LeBron still be good enough to be the best player on a title team? Will LeBron in year 21 be as good as he was in year 19? If the answer to that is yes, then they can win a title in Cleveland. Cleveland, with the uh, assumed progression of Garland and Mobley, if LeBron maintains, then absolutely can win a title. But if LeBron starts to atrophy, which we haven't seen from his play, but we have seen from his health, then if he wants to win a title, he can't team up with young guys. He's got to go to a team with a better situation. And one of the most interesting facets of LeBron's free agency a year from now is how much money is he going to want? Because he does have a workaround of what if I play for nothing? I mean, well, essentially nothing. What if I play for the veterans minimum and literally any team in the league can sign me? Now, in the past, we have always applauded athletes for taking less. I am certain that will instantly change the moment LeBron does it. Folks will say he's trying to stack the deck. It's unfair. It's outrageous. They, even though we loved when Duncan did it, we loved when Dirk did it, we loved when Brady has done it. But I do wonder, it, it Brew, if LeBron averages 28-7-7 and this year and is still a max-level player, and say he plays 70 games, that he's healthy, I wonder if he would still demand the max because his play says I should get the max and because he has said it's his responsibility to not take less because the rising tide raising boats are other players. Or if he would say, man, I'm, I've been a billionaire for a few years now. I've got more money than I can ever count. Should I take the mid-level? Should I take the veteran's minimum and be able to pick my spot? I think that's an interesting angle. Wendy seems to be reporting it as if that's not going to be his play. That if he were to go to Cleveland, one of the reasons would be they're going to have the money to pay him. Well, look, for the last several, I mean, the last time he was really willing to take less than the max was his when he went to Miami. Right. And he ended yep. up getting and the max because it was a sign and trade. But he was willing. Right. Yep. He was willing so that would kind of cut against what he's done lately. Uh, however, I, I think a few things. One, what you said about the 70 games, that's 28-7-7 is, I, I kind of expect that from LeBron, right, this year. But the 70 games is where it gets iffy. But um, if he, as far as taking less money, I don't think that would, like LeBron has understood his responsibility. I don't want to ruin things for the players coming after me. I think that would be viewed as such a special situation. He's in his 20th, 21st year. He's nearly 40 years old, if not 40. I think people, that would like, you wouldn't be able to use that if your team's against other players and agents. 
because this would be such a unique situation. Now, here's the other thing, Nick. He, we know he wants to be considered the GOAT, right? Better than Michael. And obviously rings has something to do with that. But if he were to take the veterans minimum to go to Golden State or the veterans minimum to go to any team that's like right there, has other superstars, the Clippers even say, it would not hold the weight of the rest of his titles. And it certainly wouldn't move the needle to many people, most people, in the debate with Jordan because people would view that as an easy ring that he got. And so I think that's something that he would have to weigh as well. Well, I, I think that, I think that we're, we're predicting the future, but we're also predicting the future on a lot of dominoes that would have to fall. I think that if he took the veterans minimum or close to it to go to a team that had never won anything and won a title, I don't think people would be like, Oh, well, cheated his way to a title, took the, now, of course, Depends if he were player. to go to the Golden Clippers? State, the Clippers, were, the, well, the Clippers, Clippers have never won. won something, but yeah, the, Yeah, I mean, the Clippers, see how they do this year. I mean, if the Clippers are out in round one or round two this year, and then LeBron goes there and is excellent, I think it would, I I agree with you, there are certain teams. I think Milwaukee and Golden State are two teams that if he went there, people would be like, okay, well, they literally just won titles without you. So there would be a bit of the Durant element of, could they have done this without you? But if he were to go to a team that had never, if he were to go to, I don't think he will, go to Dallas and play with Luka, and he doesn't do it on a full max, and in the finals, he's dominant, I don't think people would all of a sudden be like, ah, that ring doesn't count. I think if he did it with the Warriors, obviously, no, not that. people would say, but it, it, I think there are certain teams, but I don't think I'm it's just a long saying list in the Jordan debate, would, would it put those. him ahead of Jordan in people's eyes? That's, that's well, what unless I'm he saying. literally can levitate, he's not going to get ahead of Jordan in many people's eyes. So I don't know if he's going to be able to move, you know <laughs> what I mean, your clan, bro. Oh, the Nets are crumbling, we think. Who's to blame? We discuss. First things first, next. Stories to start your morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. We're talking KD. On a recent podcast, Logan Murdoch says he thinks Duran is frustrated that the Nets front office didn't get to know and understand Kyrie Irving. Also thinks KD hasn't talked to the team in weeks and isn't recruiting free agents to Brooklyn. Nick, how much blame are you putting on the Nets? Well, a lot of it. I mean, if you if you invite someone into your home who in their pre two previous homes and they have been burnt to the ground under very suspicious circumstances. And right after you invite them in, you're like, hey, there's the stove. Here's some matches. We've got a kerosene lamp upstairs. I'm going to be back in a few hours. You own a little bit of the culpability when you get back to things on fire. Like, even if it's the guy's fault, it's like, well, could you have seen this coming? Yeah, maybe. Could you have seen, Ky- could you see Kyrie Irving acting irrationally and burning down a team around him? Yeah, maybe you could have. And so, Kyrie is the biggest bad actor here, but the yes. Sean Marks and Joe Sy via how they've enabled him have given Kyrie carte blanche to be a bad actor. They forced out Kenny Atkinson. They handpicked 
uh, Steve Nash. They, they, they advocated for the Harden trade. They then didn't make the Harden thing work. They then flip-flopped on whether or not Kyrie could be a part-time player. And now, Brew, they're trying to take a hard line at, I would argue, the worst possible time. Cause you seem confused by what my opinion here is. All right. Well, Brew's out. He's so confused. Yeah, I don't want to talk to him it. anymore. Wilds, I'll talk to you, my <laughs> friend. Hey, Brew seemed aghast that I said, listen, if push came to shove, I'd give Kyrie his money. I want to make it clear. I don't love that option. But what can't happen is that Kevin Durant says, I want to leave because you don't have a future. You don't have young players. Who's the best young player on the Nets? Cam Thomas? Fine. You don't have your draft picks. You owe three to Houston plus swaps. So if you, if Durant asks out, you are in the exact same position you were once in after the Pierce KG thing blew up. No present, no future. It is built around Ben Simmons and the package you get back from Durant. So if I need Brew to give Kyrie his money in order to make sure Kevin Durant plays for my franchise for the rest of his contract, then I swallow hard and do it. I don't like that I'm in this position, but I put myself in this position. I'm not going to compound the error by potentially losing Kevin Durant. Look, no one wants to lose Kevin Durant, Nick. All right, no one. And for, for the Nets' sake, the good news is that at least they have him locked up for the next four years under contract. So they have a lot of control over this situation. Is Kevin Durant, after what the Golden State Warriors just did, after being criticized as he has been over this past month, going to sit out his age 34 season? No. No. I, I, no. I, I can't imagine he would. You need to go out there like a trooper and see if you and Ben Simmons can do something. Not to mention what you might get if Kyrie is traded in a signing trade. So I hear you, and I'm not absolving the Nets from some bad behavior, okay? But to use an analogy, since you did, it's like if I adopt a child, an unruly child. He's had issues in the previous homes he's been in. And I'm trying to figure it out, okay, how I'm going to work it. And yeah, maybe I'm a little too nice. All right, I'm a little too, oh, oh you need to do, the, okay, here, here you go. I'm trying to figure it out. And it never works out. Yes, you can say maybe I didn't do the best job with him. But at the end of the day, he was an unruly son of a gun when I got him. All right. So it ultimately <laughs> is his fault, not my fault. And that's where they're at with Kyrie Irving. So I, I'm not absolving the Nets. I'm with you there. But ultimately, this is about Kyrie. And so I think to your point, because that's what's interesting. What do they do? with Kevin Durant. I Nick, if Kyrie is signed and traded, you obviously are trying to get a nice enough package that it makes Durant say, okay, I think we can work with this. Let's give it a year at sure. least. All right? But if Durant, if it's the nuclear, if he goes nuclear and he just wants out and he's making, you know, noise and, and you got to get rid of him, I mean, I think you're going to get a lot back you're for him. Screwed. Now it's not Kevin Durant. But what if I can get DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and and some picks from the Suns or something like that? I mean, yeah. you you might you can still probably get a future franchise player and some nice picks. So I would can not I under any circumstances, Wilds, give a five year deal 
to Kyrie Irving fully guaranteed. You think he's been empowered over these past three years, Nick? What do you think that's going to look like? Oh, I don't, I don't love it. But I have a question for you, Brew, because even though it, you know, it doesn't sound like it right now, you are the resident Nets fan. You pick them to win the title every year. You pick them to come out of the East. They're the closest sweep ever. You're the Nets guy. We all know this, okay? Well, I have a question for you. If it came out today that Kyrie Irving had re-signed with the Nets on a five-year max, okay? And then it came out that Durant's happiest guy in the world. Do you think the Nets could win the 2023 championship? Do you think they could win the title next year? Uh, I wouldn't question. pick them, but they they'd have a they'd be in the discussion for sure. Would you would you put them as the second favorites in the East behind Milwaukee? KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons. Would you have them second in the East behind uh, Milwaukee? I think you would. I have to see I, with, without not. knowing what I'm getting from Ben Simmons, I would probably put Boston second. But Milwaukee, a, a healthy okay, first, but it's Boston close. second, and then the Nets are there. Okay. Well, because it was a close sweep. Right there. So, yeah, it's close. It was oh yeah, close sweep, of course. So here's my point. <laughs> my point is this. I know that it all sounds disastrous. And none of us, and I've been as big of a Kyrie Irving critic as has existed in the media. I, I even think, forget the off the court, on the court, I think at times he's been a touch overrated by some of his colleagues. But Wilds, if Kyrie Irving comes to you and says, I am going to take $6 million and go play for the Lakers and you are going to get nothing or you give me the full max, by giving him the full max, you stay contenders, you keep Kevin Durant happy and you see what it looks like with Ben Simmons. By letting him walk out the door, a sign in trade's different. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, I, him walking out the door, Wilds, is such a disaster. Yes, you shouldn't be in this position, but you are. That's a disaster even if Katie stays. Even if Katie stays, it's still a problem to lose Kyrie Irving for nothing. But if it ends up souring Kevin Durant to where he says, okay, I'll give it a year, and then I'm going to ask out, your franchise is ruined. Totally ruined. You're already struggling to have your own fan base in New York City. Now you would have no, I mean, and by the way, I, I guess full biases. I did just get net season tickets. So I don't want to see the team ruined oh. for the record. But I, I just think, Wilds, <laughs> True I think, I think that you, it's not a great option. But if you think you can win the title, you're that concerned about Kyrie's contract being a bad contract in 2028 as opposed to just trying to win right now. See, that's the thing. It feels like the Nets are making a decision more on principle rather than if they think they can win the contract and they right. win the championship. So, and here's the thing I, I saw. A, uh, I want to pull up the quote from KD from his own podcast, Broussard, and get your response to this. And I know Antoine says, you know what? That you don't get in, you don't start pocket watching. There's a code. You don't get involved in other people's stuff. At the same time, like it feels like Durant could put in a phone call. Here's KD on Kyrie's free agency. This is his, from his own podcast. No involvement at all. I can't be involved with this man's livelihood. This is much bigger than me. Being a free agent is one of the most important times in your career. This can't be swayed by anybody else. I just do me and wait for the time. Durant loves to do me. When in doubt, Durant's like, I just do me. Uh, so here's the thing, Broussard. I don't think KD is that worried about it. I don't know why KD wouldn't go to management and say, you know what? Sign this guy. 
Unless you're saying that he's like not being truthful on his own podcast where he's just, it's his own, it's new media. He can say whatever he wants. I found it strange that he's not there saying, I, I want to advocate for Kyrie to stay. I think I can win a championship. Did you find that quote to be a little bit odd? No, I find that quote to be exactly what Kevin Durant should do. I don't think he should get involved with the Nets management because you don't want that you gave him a five-year deal on you and you don't want that he walked because of you on you. All right, what what he should do is go talk to Kyrie as boys, as friends as they are, and try to get him this. Look, Kyrie, sign this three-year deal. You can re-up after that. We're going to win a championship, man. We came here to do something. This is your hometown. You, you're doing great things in West Orange. You, this is your hometown team. Let's get this done, man. And you talk about pride. A lot of people say you're kowtowing to go back to LeBron. You left him now. You're going back to him with your tail between your legs. So Tyreek could get it even if he leaves. Criticism. So stay. That's what KD should say to him. Okay. Hey, that's first things first. See you tomorrow.